Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Basically today, we're just going to continue the story from Good Friday. And um, if you were here, we had a fantastic Good Friday service. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 24. And um, I'm just going to read this in your hearing, so just listen. Or if you have a Bible, if you're on your phone, just crack that open. I'm going to read, actually, 49 verses. And um, then we're going to pull some things out of this. So Luke 24, reading from verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and also other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all these things that had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these things you are exchanging with, with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only visiting one in Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and work in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened, but also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early this morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses, with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. 
So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, breaking it, and began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they'd seen a spirit or a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they, still could, while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses and these things, and behold, I am sending forth my promise of the Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. It's the word of the Lord. Now, I wonder if you could be transported, if it was possible to be transported to any day back over 2,000 years ago where Jesus was walking on this earth. I mean, what day would you possibly want to um, be transported to? I mean, would it be the day he was baptized and John's over there and John would have been kind of this awkward looking character anyway, you know, wearing like this camel skin and like this big beard and eating honey and locusts and, and just this random dude out and he would have been a spectacle anyway. I mean, and you see Jesus coming and, and there's all this stuff that happens. I mean, is that the kind of day you'd like to be part of? Or maybe you'd like to be there when Jesus actually did his first miracle, because let's be honest, we really want to taste that wine to see if it is actually as good as what the Bible says it is, don't we? You know, seriously, I mean, is that wine any good, or are they just saying that? Would you like to be part of that day? Would you like to be um, with one of, of all those people listening to Jesus as he, as he preaches um, one of his great sermons, maybe Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Plain? You know, he was itinerant. He, he spoke these messages. Would you like to be there to hear firsthand? Maybe you'd like to be in the background during Passion Week where, where you see all these going-ons and all these things that are happening from the triumphal entry of Jesus to him being crucified. Or maybe you'd like to be at the foot of the cross and, and look at Jesus as he's hanging there. I mean, which day would you like to be transported to? Well, personally, I would love, if it was possible, if there's any way, I would love to be transported to Luke 24 on this day. Because this day is kind of this really significant day. This is the day where Jesus, after the resurrection, the very day he's resurrected, he starts appearing to people. And on this very day, he starts to unleash the church of Jesus Christ on the face of this earth. I like to be there on that kind of day to, to kind of see what he's doing. 
And he has these two encounters very early on, on this very first day of the 40 days that he spends on earth, where he's showing himself, where he's teaching, where, where, where he's revealing that, you know what, I am resurrected. 40 days, the first day, he starts it off by having these kind of random encounters. I'd like to be there. And he has these random encounters with these disciples. And, and if you think about the stories in the, the, in the Gospels, these disciples had been with Jesus when he was doing all of these amazing things. They were there when he was healing people. He was there when he was getting in trouble for celebrating with the wrong people. He was, they were there when, when Jesus was offering just freely forgiveness as if he was somehow replacing the temple and, and every single religious structure that, that had just been built up over, uh, over thousands of years. It's like Jesus is doing away with that. It's almost as if when Jesus was walking, you were there and you could hear him say such bold things. He'd say things like, you know what, but... If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. See, Jesus was very clear. He's not walking around in the streets of Israel saying, you know what, this is what it's going to be like when, when God's kingdom is established. He's saying, this is the moment where God's kingdom is here on earth. This is what it looks like when God is in charge. This is what it looks like people get healed, people are forgiven. You know, you start parting with the wrong people and they give their hearts to, to, to the Lord. This is what happens. But the kingdom of God that he was preaching, they kind of heard it in Jesus' words, but they didn't really understand it, did they? I mean, over and over and over again, you hear Jesus just repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again to the disciples. They don't seem to get it. And one moment, they're just full of faith and all that because they see Jesus feeding thousands with a couple of like fish and a little bit of bread. And the next moment... They're scared of some rain and a storm. It's like these disciples, they're up here. They're like just up here, then down there, and up here, then down there. The disciples were both amazed, but also confused. Well, multiple times, Jesus actually told them what to expect, what to anticipate when they actually head into Jerusalem. He told them over and over again. I mean, does these words actually sound familiar? From Luke 18, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, We're going to Jerusalem. And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man is going to be fulfilled. He will be delivered to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will insult and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise up. I mean, does that sound familiar? They heard this over and over and over and over and over again. They heard it, but they didn't get it. They were both amazed, but they were confused. Because even though Jesus continually, for, for at least three years, we don't know exactly how long, but at least three years that he was walking with his disciples, pointing them to Scripture, they knew the Scripture, but there had not been a moment, there had not been a time when their minds were opened up to fully grasp and fully understand what Jesus' kingdom agenda was, what he really was doing, what he was about. They, they, they saw it, they, they heard about it, but they didn't get it. And I think we've all been there, hey? Have you ever had one of those aha uh -huh moments? Have you ever had a moment where, oh, the penny drops? Have you ever had one of those moments? Have you ever had one of those moments where, oh, my goodness, now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. They haven't had that moment until the very first Easter because their minds hadn't been opened. And this is what happens. And what is kind of amazing is that Jesus starts this process of allowing his followers to get that aha moment. The penny drops. Their minds are opened. He starts this process with his random people 
walking to this unknown place where we don't even know where it is today, called Emmaus. He starts this process on a seven-mile walk. It's quite phenomenal that he does that. With this unknown man who has an unknown companion to an unknown village who are walking into an unknown future. If you read back on the stories and the interactions of Jesus, it seems to me that pre-resurrection and post-resurrection, Jesus has not lost form at all. He goes to those who you'd least expect him to go. I mean, seriously, if, 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 it was, if I was his marketing sort of agent, I'd say, Jesus, you've just been resurrected. Hello, let's actually go straight into Jerusalem. Let's go, let's go to Rome. Let's just go, let's just go and tell everyone. And he goes, now I'm actually going to start by going to this unknown place with these unknown people, and I'm going to actually start the process that way of actually launching the church here on planet earth that just seems phenomenal to me but at the same time how I read about Jesus that makes complete sense because Jesus does things on his own terms so he's over there and he does that and what's interesting about these two people to me is that just a couple of hours earlier right I wonder if you could place yourself in this position. Just a couple of hours earlier, they were in Jerusalem. They were in the city. They were among all these people who just had heard these women come back so excited, so passionate, and said, something's happened. We've seen angels. It's like something phenomenal. They were in that group. We read from verse 8, as, as the women remembered his words and returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and the rest. Now, they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and the other women who were telling these things to the, apostle, to the apostles. So all of them are gathered there, and these women come. Now, you need to understand something about first century. When it comes to a woman's word back then, not now, back then. Back then, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> all right. That's right. <laughs> um, back then, a woman's word meant nothing. As one of the um, historical things that we have for the legitimacy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if someone's going to make this up, you don't get women to be the first people. That's just ridiculous. Everyone knew that. And, you know, I don't know if um, those disciples hadn't really gathered um, the way Jesus saw women as yet, but we read in verse 11, <laughs> but these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe. So they're in a the company where just hours earlier, you know, something's happened. You can't deny it. I mean, seriously, they've all come back and they're telling us all these things. But no one's going to believe you because it's just nonsense. We're not going to believe. And for some reason, God actually chooses these two who actually heard the news but said, no, that's just stupid. Nah, not going to believe it. Have you ever been in that place? We've actually heard the news, but that's just dumb. But Jesus actually chooses two people like that <laughs> to actually bring about this next phase in his kingdom agenda, the resurrection. And if you think about it, this next phase, this work of God, this miracle is very similar to what we've seen in the past, some of the, the events we've seen in the past. I mean, what was the purpose of, of God actually parting the red, like walking through the Red Sea? Was it so that all of Israel could actually go through the Red Sea? Oh, and look, whoa, that's a miracle. It's like, man, you can't, that definitely, I mean, someone need to tweet this. That's a miracle. Walk through, and then they go to the other side, and it's like, 
cool, that was a miracle. That's great. Or maybe as, as I went through the Jordan River, it's like, he did it again. It's another miracle. This is amazing. Man, hashtag, he did it again. You know, it's amazing. No. The purpose of those mighty deeds in the past was to set God's people up for what was coming next, wasn't it? The point wasn't to get through the Red Sea. The point wasn't to get actually to the point where you crossed the Jordan. It was to actually get to the promised land, wasn't it? It was so that his people would be his. It was so that his people would just know that he loves them. It would be so his people would be given the Ten Commandments. You know what the Ten Commandments are? If you know, if you go through your Jewish theology and all, the Ten Commandments, they're wedding vows. That's why God calls his people his bride. That is the nature of relationship he wants with you and me. That close. And Jesus, he's setting about something that is going to launch something new. Something that has always been at the heart of God. In the prophets, in the oracles, Isaiah 49 and others say, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. You see, Jesus is actually setting something up right now on this very first day with these unknown people. We don't know who they are. We know one guy is Cleopas. Some people think the other one could be his wife because in another gospel, I think it's John, is someone with a similar name and his wife are looking at Jesus. But they're going in the wrong direction to an unknown village, into an unknown future, and Jesus decides to actually start talking to them about the next phase of what he's actually about. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. But this guy, Cleopas, he seems to be in the same predicament as the disciples were when they were walking with Jesus. Luke 24 from verse 21 says, Cleopas, he's talking to Jesus, says, We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early this morning and did not find his body. They came saying that, they had also seen a vision of angels and that he was alive. The disciples walking with Jesus, they were amazed, but they're confused. Cleopas over here, he's amazed. They amazed us, but he's still confused. He's still confused. And he actually had no idea that Jesus is actually walking with them, which is phenomenal. So Jesus, from this point, he starts walking with these two unknown people and he starts explaining Scripture to them. And how many of you know this must have been a long walk because he started from like Moses. So he started like from Genesis, right? Right? Probably Genesis 3 or something. He's just going, and all the way, this is a long walk. And all of this leads to a moment that for the very first time, they're going and they come to Emmaus. Jesus is about to keep on walking and they stop Jesus. They say, no, come and stay with us. And Jesus goes in. They still don't know who he is. He breaks bread and all of a sudden their eyes are open and they see him. They see him. And then after that, these two unknown people return to Jerusalem to actually tell the disciples, the apostles, we've seen them. It's true. 
the women were not on something, they actually said the truth, right? The women, they like, we can actually take their word. The women, they were, they were right. And when they returned, Jesus had already appeared to Peter. So they said, yeah, we know, we know, we know, because Peter seen him as well on this very first day. And then God, Jesus does something for the very, very first time. And it is so relevant to us here in 2017 that we hear what Jesus did and understand what is happening on this very first Easter 2,000 years ago. So we're going to read from verse 45. If you have your Bibles, why don't you read along as I speak it out. Talking of Jesus... Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ will suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. They had been hearing all this stuff for over three years. Jesus did not come and give the disciples any new information. But they got a new revelation. That's so profound. You know, sometimes we go looking for new information all the time. And our ears get tickled and we go and listen to this and listen to that. Listen, to that. I was listening last Sunday. I came and obviously I preached and I went home and there was this guy on, um, on TV. And there was thousands of people in front of him and he was preaching. And he was preaching absolute rubbish. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, he was, I know he's preaching rubbish. I know the Bible. And he's like compl- taking it completely out of context. And there were people who were going, yeah, woohoo, da, da, da. I was like, how in the world are they actually... That's not the story of God. You see, you can actually go looking for new information because it tickles your ears, but most of us here know the information. We just need a deeper revelation of what that is about, don't we? You know, it's not about knowing stuff. Some of us just have to do it, to be honest. So what happens is that Jesus is actually unpacking Scripture, the Old Testament, the Psalms, the the prophets, and, and all that. So they're not hearing anything new. But he is expanding. And what he says is that if you're going to understand the Old Testament, if you're going to understand the Scripture, if you're going to understand the prophecy, if you're going to understand the Psalms, you need to understand that in the resurrection, all of that Old Testament finds its meaning. And there's basically three things that's going to happen that find their meaning in that very first Easter Sunday in Resurrection Sunday. And here's the thing. Two of the three prophecies, two of the three promises get checked off on that very first Easter Sunday. The first one's this, that the Christ would suffer. Check. He suffered. He got whipped. He died on a cross. Check. What's the second one? That the Christ would rise again from the dead on the third day. Ding, ding, ding. Let's check check that off. Check. Done. We're two-thirds of the way there. How awesome is that? We are two-thirds of the way there. This is awesome. I wonder about the third one. This is what Jesus is saying. There's three things that are going to happen. Three things need to be fulfilled. I did the first two. Let's check out the third one, shall we? 
All right. Here's the third one. That repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem to all of the nations. Ah, Well, we can't check that one off yet. Because, understand this, if... Understand this. Because of Good Friday and because of Resurrection Sunday, the church is now positioned to fulfill that third bit. Jesus did the first two. It's our job to do the third. That's what he's saying. On this day, don't you remember the Christ is going to suffer? Yeah. The Christ is going to die and rise again. Yeah. And this is the purpose. This is what God's been speaking for since, the, since Genesis, since he first talked to Abraham, all the way through, through all the Psalms, through all the prophecies, that his salvation is going to reach the ends of the earth to all of the nations. It's going to start in Jerusalem. And then because they said, now you lot, you need to wait here because the Holy Spirit's going to come. Don't think you can do it without the Holy Spirit. You see, on this day... We are reminded as the church that, yeah, this day is about new life. It is. Praise God. Man, that curtain has been ripped. It has been torn. I mean, God, I'd love to see that curtain on that day. I'd love to see what God did. I reckon it was just like disintegrated. There was nothing there. God's saying, there's no barrier anymore. You can come straight to me. It's a bit like my kids at home. They don't need to knock on the door or they don't have to like, there's not like some, some code that they have to press in to get into, into my bedroom. They just run, they just run in all the time. <sighs> Before six o'clock in the morning, they run in all the time. But that's the nature a child has with their father, right? If you're a Christian, that's the nature you have with your father. You can run in all the time. You can run in any time. It doesn't matter. There's nothing stopping there. There's no curtain. There ain't no padlock. The door's not even closed. It's wide open. You can go anytime. That's new life. Fantastic. Let's live in that more. Praise God. You know, forgiveness of sins. Amazing. Adoption into God's family. Phenomenal. But here's the other thing that would be great for us to understand, recognize, and actually engraft further into our life that we as the local church... We as New Spring Church in Camelo, Western Australia, 2017, we get the privilege, we get the opportunity, we are invited to be part of God's story and to fulfill that third part of the promise, that God's salvation would not just rest in Jerusalem, but it would go to the ends of the earth, that his heart would be known, that people would know of our God. That's our job. That's what Easter Sunday is about. That's what Jesus comes and he says, I've done this. God has worked. God, God has done an amazing act. This is a miracle. This is phenomenal. But it sets the church up for the next phase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we go about this world the same way Jesus did. You got, you're sick? I'll lay hands on you. You'll recover. You, you haven't got anything to eat? Well, come here, we'll feed you. Go out. I, love, I just love the one. I love to be a church where you just got this, you know, we've got this um, reputation for just going and hanging out with the wrong people. I just want that. I just want that. I just want that. I want to be part of a church that's safe enough for anyone 
to walk in. And they can actually experience God. I want to, I want to be part of a church where people will come and encounter us and, and they won't encounter a curtain that separates them from God. I want to be part of that kind of church. I want to be part of a church where, you know, we got witches who come here and like have lunch with us on Tuesdays. I like being that kind of church. I like being that kind of church. I like, I like being the kind of church where sexually broken people can come in and, and we're not going to judge them. We're going to say, oh, man, look at you. Lest they say to me, Dave, look at you. I want to be part of that kind of church. I want to be part of the most potent, powerful force on the face of this earth. A local church that is working out the plans and purposes of God in this generation. That's what I want to be part of. And he says this in Luke 24, 47. He says that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You know, this idea of sin, this idea of sin, sin is this kind of thing that has root and also has, a, has fruit. It has a root and it has fruit. Jesus, in my reading of the Gospels, he seems to acknowledge that there are some fruit, but the cross actually demolishes the root, if you know what I mean. So Jesus is over there, and, 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 and he's kind of like hanging out with people, and, and he's there in the wrong place in Samaria. He's waiting for a woman who comes and gets some water from a well, but he's sitting on the well, and, and he starts having this conversation with this woman who's despised and ridiculed and hated and, and all that. And, and um, it comes out that she's had like five marriages, are broken up, and she's on to her next, and she's absolutely broken and, and all that. Disciples come up, and they're absolutely disgusted that Jesus is talking to this woman. Crazy. Jesus acknowledges the stuff wrong, but he's still encountering, isn't he? Jesus in the house of Simon, prostitute walks in. Prostitute walks in, right? Everyone knows this woman, prostitute, walks in. Starts washing his feet. Just contrition and humility. It's just, Jesus has no problem with that. We do sometimes. Zacchaeus, ripping off people. And everyone knows it. He is like ripping them off. He is just destroying homes. You know, he is like the middleman between the empire and Israel. And he's going to the empire and says, I want my money. Go and get them. And Jesus encounters Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to come and hang out at your place. And by the end of the encounter, there's repentance, there's change, and something happens. Jesus has no problem acknowledging, hey, there's brokenness, there's sin and all that. But Jesus, what he does, he actually goes to the root of the issue, the root of the problem, and he defeats sin. He destroys sin. He destroys death on the cross. So when it comes to our interactions with this world, we can let the world know, hey, you might have some fruit in your life. There's fruit all over the place. Newsreels are full of fruit all the time. Something bad happens in the Middle East, so we're going to go and bomb them. Fruit of sin, right? <laughs> there's a drug epidemic, there's fruit. <laughs> this family's been ripped apart, there's fruit. There's, there's fruit all around. But what Jesus does is, says, okay, let's acknowledge, okay, there is some fruit, there's some fruit, there's some fruit, there's some fruit. But let's actually be honest, there's not just fruit out there, there's a lot of fruit in here as well, isn't there? Because sometimes I can just be nasty and I can say things that rip people apart and there's fruit and I can hold grudges and I can be bitter and I can be twisted. You know, there's some fruit inside of me. And Jesus says, here's the deal. There is fruit but I've come to deal with the root. And that's what I did on the cross. That anyone and everyone 
who believes what I did on that cross, I demolished. I absolutely, you should see, Jesus saying, you should see what I did to sin. Man, oh man, I absolutely whooped it, crushed it, demolished it, disintegrated it. It was not even a match, not even a match. It's almost like a little ant coming up to me and wanting to fight me. I'm just going like that. That's kind of the picture. So sin not even an issue. If we rest in what Jesus did on the cross. And what happens is that when that root is demolished, when we give our life to Jesus... We start becoming more like Jesus. So you could be the nastiest, absolutely nastiest, nastiest, nastiest person in your cul-de-sac. But you give your life to Jesus and you're going to see a transformation. You're going to start speaking, acting and looking more like God. And that's what he did. And that's the message that we send out. That's the message that we take out. Because God's heart is that his salvation would be known and it would be accepted to the ends of the earth. On, on that very first Easter Sunday, the band can come up, we're about to finish up. On that very first Easter Sunday, fresh out of the tomb, fresh out of the tomb, goes and hangs out with these guys who heard the news and said, that's just dumb, that's nonsense. For the very first time, he opens up their minds to what the kingdom agenda is. He lets them know that without Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the church is not positioned to do what the church is supposed to do. On that very first Easter Sunday, he launches us to be his church, to be his mouthpiece to speak of the good news, to tell the world that God is not against you, God does not hate you, God loves you. He's for you. And the profundity of the gospel is this, that God has made His choice. He has chosen you. He has chosen me. The profundity, the humility of this God is that He now waits for us to make our choice. Will we choose Him? That is the gospel. God has chosen you. God loves you. Will you choose Him? That is the gospel. No longer is sin a barrier, but the root of sin is demolished. It is defeated. It is like that ant that has been snuffed out. And now there is nothing that will stop anyone from being in an amazing, new, vibrant, life-giving relationship with God Himself and being part of His family, His community. And that's the message that we take forward in the church. That's the message that changed us. Did it change you? It changed me. Cool. Let's pray.